Welcome to the College Investor Audio Show, where we talk about the biggest issues impacting millennial money, from student loan debt to side hustles to building wealth. We will show you how to get out of debt so that you can build real wealth for the future. Hey guys, so glad you're joining us, and welcome to today's episode of the College Investor Audio Show. Today, we're going to tackle a pretty complex topic for an audio podcast, but we'll give it a shot. It's understanding Form 8889 for HSA contributions, distributions, and deductions. Let's dig right in. Well, first of all, if you're young, healthy, and not hoping to give birth anytime soon, (laughs) one of the best ways to save money is to go on a high-deductible health insurance plan with a health savings account, or HSA. Many large employers offer high-deductible health insurance coverage as the employer-sponsored plan with the lowest monthly premium, that's your monthly cost. If you run into medical trouble, you'll probably pay a little bit more, but on a month-to-month basis, you'll definitely pay less. And if your plan is HSA-eligible, you're likely to get a few bonus opportunities for saving. Often, your employer will contribute a certain amount to your HSA usually you know, somewhere between five to $500 to $1,000. On top of that, you can save and invest money within the HSA, up to $3,450 for an individual or $6,900 for a family. That's money that you save without paying income taxes or Social Security taxes or taxes on the growth, provided that you use the money only for medical expenses. The HSA can be an excellent saving and investment account for a young professional. However, The HSA requires you to fill out one extra form at tax time. This form explains how to use IRS Form 8889 for HSA contributions, distributions, and deductions. So what is Form 8889? The form is the IRS form that helps you to do the following. First, report contributions to a health savings account, or HSA. Two, calculate your tax deduction from making HSA contributions, 3. Report distributions you took from the HSA, hopefully for eligible medical expenses. And 4. To calculate taxes you owe on the distributions, if you use the money for something not medical-related. Since using an HSA correctly can lead to significant tax savings, it's important to fill out the Form 889-8889 each year you use the HSA. Keep an eye out for HSA tax documents. Filling out the Form 8889 can be a little bit confusing because the information you need can come from several different sources. These are just a few places to look for the information you need. For employer contributions and contributions from your paycheck. To learn how much your employer contributed on your behalf and how much you contributed, you will look at your W-2 form in Box 12 with the code W. From my experience, this can be just... (laughs) A little bit confusing. Code W seems to correspond to employer contributions to HSAs, but it really means employer and employee contributions to the plan. For additional contributions, also look for this. If you're either self-employed or you made contributions outside of payroll deductions, then you'll need to account for those HSA contributions separately. You can almost always find information about these from an annual statement from the company that houses your HSAs. Personally, I always head to my HSA website at tax time to download any tax documents that are available. Here's another thing to look out for. Information about distributions. So unlike many tax-advantaged investment accounts, 
you may use your HSA long before retirement. If you break an arm, have a baby, or have some other medical need, you may decide to take a distribution from your HSA. You may take a distribution from your HSA at any time without incurring a tax penalty so long as the distribution is used to pay for qualified medical expenses. However, you must file Form 8889 the year you take a distribution from the HSA. Make sure to save your receipts for medical expenses. I should repeat that. Save your receipts. <laughs> Different people approach HSA accounts differently. One camp uses the HSA almost entirely to pay for current or past medical needs. One family I know experienced a large volume of medical needs over the course of a few years. This family now owes over $20,000 in medical bills, and all the bills are on a payment plan. Each month, one spouse contributes money to an HSA, pays the monthly payment on the medical debt, and reimburses herself for that payment. She gets the tax advantages of the HSA while paying off debt. Brilliant! The other camp tries to keep as much money as possible in the HSA to let it grow through investments. This can lead to massive account balances and could reduce your need for long-term care insurance later in life. Also brilliant. However, this camp may end up drawing from the HSA if they experience a cash flow crunch down the road. Whether you're in the first or the second camp, you need to save your medical receipts. The first group will use the medical receipts during tax season to prove they use the funds for qualified medical expenses. The second group needs to hang on to the receipts even longer until they actually take a distribution from the HSA. Years or even decades from now, those receipts could keep you from paying extra taxes on HSA distributions. So, filling out Form 8889 for your taxes. Come tax time, anyone who contributed to or received a distribution from an HSA will need to fill out Form 8889. Of course, most people don't actually use Form 8889. Instead, you'll probably use a tax software like H&R Block or TurboTax. The software will fill out the form for you. But even if you use software, it's important to understand the form. <laughs> form 8889 Contributions and Deductions. So let's take a look at that. The first part of the form, line 1 through 13, has to do with HSA contributions. Since you get a tax deduction for eligible HSA contributions, this is important to do correctly. The IRS has robust instructions for filling out the form. So let's just go over a few more common mistakes. In line two of the form, it says to enter the amount you contributed to an HSA. This only includes contributions you made outside of payroll deductions. Contributions through payroll deductions show up on line nine, employer contributions to HSA. Here's the other confusing part of the section. It has to do with line three, your contribution limit for the year. If you're on a high deductible plan for the whole year, your contribution limit is 3,450 bucks. For individual coverage, 4,450 if you're over 55 and 6,900 for family coverage or 7,900 for 55 plus. These limits also apply if you're on a high deductible plan on December 1st of the tax year. But what if you change insurance partway through the year? Then the limit on line three changes. You know, basically, each month you have high deductible health insurance, you can contribute one-twelfth of the overall limit. So if you have a high deductible health insurance for six months, your limit is $1,725 for an individual. 
and so on and so forth. Once you enter all the information into Form 8889, you'll see your deduction in Line 13. Use this amount to pay less money in taxes. Form 8889 Distributions, this is the other part. In addition to accounting for contributions, the form also helps you track your HSA distributions. Line 14A shows your total distributions from an HSA. This is the amount of money you take out from an HSA in a given year. For example, if you have cancer and need to withdraw $12,000 from your HSA, this line 14A will show $12,000. Line 15 is the amount of money you spend on qualified medical expenses. In the cancer example, you would put $12,000 on line 15. That means the amount you withdrew matched the amount you spent on eligible expenses. That also means you don't owe a single penny on the amount you withdrew. In this example, if you chose to withdraw more than $12,000 to cover non-medical expenses, you would owe taxes on the additional funds plus a 20% penalty tax. Ah! The details on these are found in lines 16 through 17. Penalties and taxes for not maintaining HDHP coverage. In general, the rules for HSA taxes are pretty easy, but there is one wrinkle called the testing period for HSA coverage. Essentially, you have to maintain high deductible health insurance coverage for an entire tax year to qualify for the full contribution amount in both the current tax year and the previous tax year. So here's the scenario. If you qualify for HDHP coverage in November of 2019 and you load your HSA with $3,450 and then load it again in January of 2020 with $3,450 and then switch insurance to a lower deductible plan, you will face a penalty. The penalty is the income tax you would have owed on part of the HSA contribution plus a 10% penalty tax, eek. The details for this are in Section 3, Lines 18 through 21. Since the penalty is steep, be careful when you change insurance plans in the middle of the year. It can lead to some tax penalties if you aren't careful about maintaining your high deductible eligibility. Phew, yeah, we covered a lot and <laughs> it could have been kind of hard to follow. But here's the good news. We have all the information you need, including links and resources and blogs and all that kind of stuff for filling out Form 8889. So it just makes it easy for you. You can see it at thecollegeinvestor.com. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Don't forget to subscribe and also allow the notifications.